Hello and welcome back to The Game Pit. This is episode 80 and we're continuing our countdown of our top 50 games. Ronan. All killer, no filler, Sean. Well, you've been priming that one for a while, haven't you? <laughs> it's, it's been laying there dormant for a couple of weeks, <laughs> much like the podcast. <laughs> but we're back. We've only got the best. Well, not the best. There's 30 games better than my 10. But some of the best games ever 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 for you as in this episode we count down each of us our top 40 to 31 oh it's exciting sean it is exciting ronan uh probably be a few arguments on the way but hopefully not too many well we'll, we'll just see because they're all good games so we should be coming to some form of agreement by this stage that at least we're not picking utter tripe we'll talk about some bad games next episode but for this one all good games i hope um fingers crossed very good very good and as always you can catch us on podbean stitcher and itunes and we are very proud members of the dice tower network go there for gaming goodness galore Sean, these are the best games of all time, so let's get off on a classic foot. My number 40 from 1998, a 2-4 to player game from possibly the greatest board game designer of all time, Rainer Knizia, and it is Samurai. It is the Japanese-themed tile-laying game in which there are three different types of playing pieces in the game. You're attempting to lay tiles on a map of Japan. It's, the size of it is player number dependent. And once a town, which has a certain number of pieces in it, is surrounded by tiles, you see who's got the highest strength in the pieces in that town and they collect them at the end of the game it's got famous Knizia style scoring in this case you have to have won at least one of the categories and then if you have you're eligible to win the entire game but it's the other pieces you've taken added together is your actual score if that sounds complicated go play the game if you've never played it before you should because it's brilliant and it's samurai and it's my number 40 well Ronan I've not actually played this one right Headphones down. Go and play it now. <laughs> it sounds like classic Knitzy affair with that special scoring mechanism that he employs in a lot of his games, or similar in a lot of his games. And uh, yeah, something I definitely want to check out. But uh, what's pushed it onto your top 50? I think the fact that it is almost entirely tactical, other than you are keeping one eye on, I need to have lots of one of these particular types. But what each of the other players does pulls you to different areas of the map because those towns are surrounded by as few as two tiles can surround a town. And it always seems to be that whenever you take your turn, you're opening opportunities for the other players to stitch you up. But there's until the end of the game, there's enough opportunities that every player is getting pulled in three or four different directions and you don't know what tiles they've got laid out in front of them because you've got a hand of five from, you've got your own individual piles, all, you're going to see the same tiles as everyone else eventually. And you've got fast tiles that let you double play, you've got samurai tiles which will score in all of the three but usually aren't as strong as the individual tiles which can be really strong for one of the pieces. Once that's laid down though, that's the end of it. Uh, it's just always pulling you in different directions and you have to be careful not to set anyone else up. And it's just a constant, very quick-paced, very thinky game, but almost in sort of a light tactical package because all you're doing is laying one or two tiles on your turn. So there's not loads and loads and loads to think about mechanically, but there is loads and loads and loads and loads to think about tactically. 
Very, very good. Okay, my number 40 is coming from Red Raven Games and designed by Ryan Laucut. It is The Ancient World. It's all about growing your city to defeat these large titans that are attacking you. It's a worker placement game, but it's a worker placement game with teeth. You're building up your habitat to support your armies and your workers. And as I said, you're trying to defeat these large titans. The scoring comes in a set collection type of way. And I know that we've reviewed this one before, Ronan. What what are your thoughts on it? It's definitely my favourite Red Raven game. They always make quality products. I might always get taken by the gameplay. Sometimes they're a little bit light for me. This feels like a good, tight vicious euro game where you can block people out of the strength of the workers you're putting in it's got that really fantastic kind of development of your army system whereby it costs you more and more and more to use an army that you've got but you can retire it and it'll leave sort of a legacy if you like for the next army that you hire and that will boost its power somehow so when to retire and when to use very handy and it's, it is a set collection game at its heart, but the way you get those banners to collect the sets is intriguing. Like I say, vicious. I like a bit of vicious in my game. This is a really good game, Ancient World. Yeah, it, probably no surprise to anybody who's talked to me about the looks and the artwork in games, because I will always point them in the way of Ryan Lauka and Raid Raven Games. You do get quite excited. Don't I you, do, Ryan I Lauka. do. And any any geek list where people are saying, what's the best artwork you've ever seen in the game? Oh, Ryan Lauka! <laughs> Pretty much anything by Ryan Lauka, but the Ancient World, I think, stands out. The board itself, you could just frame it is absolutely stunning i love this game because there's so many options but limited action so you you really do feel like you could be doing and should be doing so much more but you you've only got those few workers and you can build up your workers towards the end but every action matters is what i'm getting at it is mean you can block each other's and you can do it very effectively and i completely agree with ronan it is by far for me the best red raven game out there so that's my number 40 choice fantastic 39 from me sean is homesteaders 2009 four player game from alex rockwell i got this in the first edition with the stinky moldy bad components and i still love it and put it in my top 50. It's almost like the opposite of a Red Raven game. I love it despite the shoddy components that I got. Although the little animeeples, they were kind of groovy and you can stack them while you're playing. Anyway, the game itself, why do I like it? It's based on the, the taking of country in America in the 19th century and you and each other player are trying to build up your own homestead. There's a fantastic auction system and you're auctioning for the right to get a plot of land, if you like, on which you can build a particular type or two types of building there is a tableau of buildings available to you which progresses throughout the 10 rounds of the game is some worker placement in there there's a lot of resource conversion there's a lot of okay if i take this building i need to have a plan as to how i'm going to use what that building gives me later on to turn it into a points because a lot of the points snowball towards the end and while all of that sounds like it's going to be a long game the game plays in not much more than an hour four players if everyone has a moderate amount of experience, even just at gaming, because it just builds on Euro tropes as we know them, but puts them together into what I feel is a unique package. And Homestead has been a favourite of mine since I got it back in 2009 and still makes it to the table regularly, and that is my number 39. Sean, have you played Homesteaders? I played it a long, long time ago when I was quite new to the hobby, Ronan, and 
I didn't fall in love with it then, but I think that's probably because there's just so much going on in this game. It was quite confusing for a new player to come into. And lots of little mechanisms. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a gateway game by any means. No, no. I'm now familiar with all those mechanisms and I could probably tie them together a lot better. But I do remember it being an interesting game and something now that I think about it, I do want to go revisit and, and play again. So definitely on the list to, to give another go to. That's for sure. It's just a game that every time I play it, I have a good game. It always, it never gives me less than like a, an 8 out of 10 experience. And sometimes it gets even better than that if you're really in the nitty gritty. And, and everyone's got their own way of converting and making the points. And you're really fighting for each auction. And yeah, it's a ton of fun. And that's Homesteaders. Sean, you're 39? I'm going, well, I suppose fairly old school nowadays. It's Stone Age from Bernd Brunhofer. Uh, Z-Man Games, Hans Gluck, and a whole slew of other ones. It's, it's a classic worker placement set in the Stone Ages where you're doing various things. You're harvesting food. You're going in the love hut, Ronan. As we like bow, chicka, wow, wow, bow, wow. <laughs> I don't know what the bow wow was at the end. Maybe you're taking a dog with you for moral support. I don't know. Gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're basically getting resources and you're trying to get those resources to obtain huts that are going to score your points. There's also boats arriving that you can spend your resources on to harvest. Everyone knows Stone Age. I won't go any too far. Why, why do I like Stone Age? I think it is one of the defining worker placement games. It's one of the first worker placement games I ever played and it stuck with me. I still enjoy Stone Age to this day. I've just got my first Stone Age for my son and that incorporates some of those elements into it and he loves it so it's something that stuck with me very easy to explain very easy to get into i think the dice rolling has that little bit of random that stops it just being a procession of working out exactly what you're going to get each round i like that the randomization that that adds a bit of replayability and the thing is that's just well put together and entertaining apart from the smelly cup <laughs> or is that I'll never let a version? smelly cup put me off a bit of quality Sean. <laughs> never let a smelly cup put me off uh, Stone Age yes definitely one of the games that was our favourite for a, a couple of years or in the rotation a lot for a couple of years and I've played some great games I remember playing it in like a Euro competition day one time and everyone had played it at least 10 times and we just had a fantastic high quality hard fought game of it so a real good game in memory of it I'll say the only thing that holds it back for me is I'm never excited to play it because it's never going to be a great game for me. It's always going to be, oh, yeah, Stone Age. It's always going to be, yeah, it's going to be a good game. That's solid. I'm going to enjoy myself, but it doesn't reach the real gaming heights for me and punch through into something very special. But, but I, yeah, yeah, Stone Age. Cool, cool. Cool. Okay, Ronan, on to your number 38. My 38 is, I'm afraid, placing me in the cult of the new Sean because this game is about six months old and it's terraforming mars oh we knew that was gonna be <laughs> when you're hot you're hot and it is hot <laughs> and it was hot when i first got it a few months ago and it's continued to be hot it's continued to be constantly requested now we know why it's pretty hard to get hold of we're still awaiting the reprint right now as we're recording february 2017 there's been an expansion announced so people are like well i never played the base game metal man expansion with new couple of new maps and stuff like that it's incredibly varied at least 
on the outside, although actually there's only a few strategies you can really follow, but what the other players do matters. There's the board you're fighting over. There's when to get them, grab the milestones if you can. There's what awards to activate. There are all those cards that you're attempting to learn. And when I first played, let's say the first half dozen games, I was like, well, it's all about seeing new cards all the time and, and the wow and the shiny and there's so much variety and the theme is so much fantastic fun. And then going on through the next half a dozen plays, I actually find it's getting better when I thought it might be just the shiny that was distracting me because now I know a lot of the cards and I know cards that other players have and if they play a card I can say okay that's no longer in the deck so now I'm thinking about something else I can do or maybe that's not a great situation to plan for I should plan otherwise doesn't mean I'm getting any better at scoring points but it's making me pretend that I'm a little bit more intelligent than in my first few plays and it's still going strong and I still love it and lots of the players around me love it we played a five player game a couple of weekends ago and we got it done in an hour and a half and some of the guys that only played a couple of times yeah, that much thinking interaction backwards and forwards in an hour and a half five players it's hard to beat and Terraforming Mars is currently sitting at my number 38 but that doesn't mean it's not going to go higher Sean we've played this together Yes, Ronan, we, we have indeed played this together. I think it does have to be said, I think if you play from the base rules as written down, where everybody gets their own cards, I think it can tilt the game in someone's favour if they get lucky. I think Ronan certainly has, has implemented a drafting variant. Well, it's in, it is in the rule book, the sort of basic drafting variant. Yeah, but you've adapted but that, haven't you? Built on it a little bit, mate. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is the way forward on this. I think people's biggest gripes with this game by the way i think it's a fantastic game before i get there has been that you can get a little bit lucky in the game that we played because myself and the other player had only played one or two games sort of each you you said let's just play the base game and well, well next time we'll play the drafting variant and i got really lucky i got all the cards i needed i built a really strong engine and i walked away with the game I think you ended up getting two or three of the cards that can actually adapt your game, all game, which was really unlucky. So I think, yeah, you definitely need that drafting variant. I'll let Ronan tell you how he's adapted it after I just explained why I really love the game. I think it is a, a fabulous game. It would have been in my top 50 had I got the plays probably that I've got in under my belt now. But I'm going to stick with my top 50 as was. It's, it was right on the edge anyway. I think it's a very varied game. Really intense in that time frame that you've got and just yeah a really smart design i really like it and it scales really well i haven't played solo but i've played two to five it works it all counts just quickly on the on the drafting i found that if you just do normal drafting we can keep one card out of four out of three out of two you can hate draft too easily i've put it on twitter i've mentioned it in a few places to me if you want to keep a card out of your hand while you're drafting you must pay three money immediately just to de-incentivize that hate drafting which can really slow the game down so that's how it works best for me but as sean said if you've got newer players and older players actually it's kind of funny because if we had drafted uh, and someone has played more games than other people they're gonna win because it's easier to put together strategy when you know the cards and you're drafting so you know be, be a bit careful how you use it is all i'll say don't just throw yourself in there drafting adds a little bit of time to the game as well but anyway it's still a fantastic game. I don't know why we're talking negatively. It's brilliant. It's terraforming Mars. It is the hot, shining moon smashing into the planet of gaming right now. And, and long may it continue. Sean, you're 38. My 38, Ronan, is another game we have reviewed in the past. It is Shakespeare from Her Regal 
and from Astari Games. It's all about putting together a play in Shakespearean times. You're going to be building the set. You're going to be putting on the play itself. You're going to be picking the actors from a from a selection on the on the table. The actors are your workers. And they give you different, slightly different powers as you build up your tableau of actors. Okay, so why do I like this one? Building on what I've just said there, there are lots of avenues to explore with this one. You can go to set design, you can go to costume design, you can look at the actors you're bringing in. Lots to think about in the game. All makes thematic sense. I think it's a very strong thematic game. I think that just works really nicely. The action selection mechanic is very thought-provoking because you... You actually can only use a certain amount per round, and then most of those are going to be out of the next round. So you're not only planning for this round, you're planning for the next round as well. And what what am I going to need next round, and what am I going to need this round? And in two rounds' time, these are going to come back into the fold. So you're really thinking ahead really good. Love building my own tableau, so building up my own workforce or actors, whatever you want to call them. And it's a very tight, strategic, and tactical game that I think kind of went under the radar a little bit for a lot of people, but that's my number 38. Ronan, what do you think of Shakespeare? Well, the curious thing about Shakespeare is that I know a surprising number of people who really, really dislike it, and I cannot work out why, because all the things that you say are true. It's a good Euro that plays just over an hour. The theme ties it all together. Uh, so why I keep coming across people who go, oh, God, oh, Shakespeare, I played it once. It's awful. I don't understand. I, I think it's because it's quite unforgiving. I think if you do make one or two errors in, in the game, you can fall think... behind and it's, it's quite difficult to catch up shakespeare i think maybe that's what it is there's kind of no catch-up mechanism but it takes a while i mean you only play over six rounds mm. it takes a while for the that pattern to establish itself okay well, i mean only look other people don't like it that's fine i do like it i know that you love it to me yes it's a very good game it's one of those it would have been my next 50 games probably the reason it hasn't hit my top 50 is just probably variety in plays haven't played it uh, half a dozen times i think not too much variety between games and possibly one or two ways you have to go if you want to be in the chance of winning also i'm not great at it we both recently have managed to get hold of a copy of backstage the expansion sean which is the easiest thing in the world to find (laughs) (laughs) i found it in sean's local game shop and And snatched it from under my nose pretty much didn't we rock paper scissors or something (laughs) no you just you just yoinked it and went "Ah (laughs) (laughs) kicked you in the goonies and ran off but then i happened to find it in my local game shop so everybody's happy i'm looking really looking forward to getting backstage put in there and that might be the kick in the bum it needs to jump into my top 50 because it's it's a game every time i play i enjoy it's a good choice shakespeare cool right ronan you're number 37 my 37 is continuing in my pretty much cult of the new little little vein here of a couple it's 2015 game from manuel rosoy and peggy chassonet and it is time stories one of the most discussed games released in the past few years if not ever i should say it is the scenario based game in which you are a bunch of time traveling detectives there has been something happened to the time continuum and you've been sent back to the past to sort out whatever the issue is always difficult to talk about without spoilers 
I am going to do my best to do so and perhaps give an overview of my thoughts on the game. It starts off on an asylum scenario where you go back to an asylum in 1920s France and you take the... So when you go back, it's like Quantum Leap. You take the role of people back there and you're trying to work out what's going on between the patients and the staff at this asylum. And then it rolls on through various other scenarios. You've got the Marcy case where you're back in America in the 80s. It plays very differently to Asylum. You've got Prophecy of Dragons, which is a fantasy-based one in which you're a party of varied party of, of fantasy tropes if you will with various paths through the game you've got the mask of the pharaoh where you go back to ancient egypt you're trying to um, sort out a mystery there and the latest one that's just come out is expedition endurance which i just played last weekend before we record and before i go on and give you a little bit more thoughts on the overall time stories strengths weaknesses sean you've played time stories thoughts Ronan, i really like it i played the base game only my, my play was kind of tainted because i had to play with natalie and she'd already played so that we could get up to speed together uh so she was kind of not really taking part but giving me hinters and pointers in the right direction while i kind of figured it out for myself i love a, I love a deduction game really do love a deduction game and this one is it's no slouch when it comes to that element of the game lovely design starts off quite sparse and you think oh god that's, that's a bit bland that board and then um it fills up with all the colorful cards and the locations and you're thinking oh yeah cool cool i'm understanding now yeah good choice one i like time stories and i'm really looking forward to playing the expansions of which um, I'm sure in a few minutes you're going to tell us which ones are your more favoured. Yes, well, I'm going to keep it kind of general, but all I'll say is I really enjoy Time Stories. Whenever there's a new expansion coming out, I get really excited because I want to sit down and I want to play it, but just dawning on me that the slight problem with the game is the first half is absolutely fantastic, and the second half is always... You kind of rush in to get through it because you've discovered most of the mystery and now you're just getting through to the denim one. And it's like, well, when they design these scenarios, if they could balance the second half of each scenario with the first half, this would be an easy top 10 game. As it is, I mean, it's good enough to be at number 37. It's still a fantastic experience, almost unique. It kind of puts you into one of choose your own adventure books but in a more creative and a more gamey way the fact that information is hidden so people look at their own cards and they talk to each other and it's kind of what they remember to put down as opposed to having perfect information it all works great group dynamic but i really hope that they evolve their scenario design because to me there's a bit of a pattern of interesting first half interesting first half lots of different ways to go okay now we know the way to go now we've got to plod through two more runs of a couple of hours to just get where we need to get to because we're kind of that's all that's all the potential is amazing sean after a year and a half I, I wish that it was being realised slightly, slightly more, but that is nitpicking because it's still a fantastic experience. My number 37, Time Stories. Okay, my number 37, Ronan did talk about it in our last episode of this Top 50 Rundown. It's Nations by Rostan Hackinson, Nina Hackinson, and uh, Einar and Robert Rosen. It comes from lotablet.fi, and I'm not going to go into too much because Ronan's already explained it. You're basically leaving your nation through the ages to gain glory and power. Hurrah. Okay, we talked about in the last episode, abstract look, but it still has thematic feel. And that this still stands strong for me. Uh, it really does feel like you are building up your, your nation. Everything in this game just feels possible. 
but the choices are always difficult, really good. So you, you're kind of reaching for the stars, but you really do have to clamber to get to them. Like it. Enough interaction just to stop everyone being head down. And it's probably my very favorite Civ building game. It's really not that hard to get into. It's not one of those ones you have to learn rule after rule after rule. You can quite get into it quite easily. And as I said, yeah, my favourite self-building game is Nations. That's my number 37 choice. Ronan, you've already talked about it, but do you want to wax lyrical some more? <laughs> Clearly, it's a great choice. It's in both of our top 50s. We both enjoy it. I know that sometimes you get in that feedback loop whereby if your regular game mates really enjoy a game, it helps you enjoy it more. And, and certainly, but, but that's, that just to me means it's a really good game. And we've both enjoyed playing it with other people as well. Like you say, it, it's not the massive headache of some other Civ games where there's a million things to keep track of and you can lose just because you lost sight of one particular aspect out of 50. You are running your own civilization on your own board. The bits you need to know about other players are quite easy and out there to see, mostly on the military track and the stability track. And it all ties together. It's a really fantastic game, possibly even slightly overlooked in my opinion, but there you go. Yeah, great choice, Nation, Sean. Far too agreeable, Ronan. What's your number 36? I knew it, man, because these are all good games. And this one is definitely, I think, no, it is definitely coming later on in your list, I reckon. It is, it is. It's 2009 again. It's two to five players. Actually, one to six players. And it's from Philip Kearse. It's the reworking of Vinci. It's Small World, the fantastic fantasy-themed dudes on a map fighting game where your dudes are little counters rather than little plastic men and they all have special powers they have racial powers that combine with another special power so every game is completely different you're looking to conquer territories you're all going to have different ways of scoring points depending on which race you've chosen different ways of having the edge in combat depending on which race and power combo you've chosen it's got the fantastic thing of different different maps for different numbers of players two to five so just a couple of double-sided boards it's great in that it's relatively quick hour and a half maybe two hours for a five player game in that what every player does you have to keep an eye on because the things they don't do you might have to end up doing and the things they do do are might either affect you or open up an opportunity to you and the game the players themselves have to balance out each other and it, i've never had a game where like you're playing three player two players just fighting amongst each other because the other one's walking away with it because you can see the other one's walking away with it and also because your race turns over and you're very rarely just one race for a whole entire game when you come back in on the board again you tend to come in a different area to where you've been before so you're not stepping on your own toes if you like so that mixes up what's going on all the time it's constantly in flux and you're constantly having to adapt whichever's doing it, and you're constantly involved, and all the turns are quick, and it's just got that nice, thematic, attacky turnover pace to the game. And I thoroughly enjoy it, and it's worked with all sorts of gamers, new and old. And I think Small World is a really, really great game. It's not sort of the coolest or the hippest game to play and say that you like, but to me, it's fantastic. I agree, Ronan. I, I, I think it is a fantastic game, and it may well appear later on my list well we'll see we'll see i'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the simplicity of the game itself in this you've just got late tiles down and enough tiles to take an area but it's just so so much more than that it, you start explaining it to people and they're like okay is that it 
And then as the game goes in with the mixing of the races and the area control building, ramping up and people fighting for, for areas, then it becomes way more than the sum of its parts. I was actually, I've, I've got a long commute into work now and I've actually started playing the Android version and I scared the life out of a guy sitting next to me. Because I play in the game, and sometimes in small worlds, you, you are sure you're winning the game. Unless you're literally counting up every, what everyone declares as their, their coin, because everything's hidden and turned down. I was sure I was winning the game. Absolutely adamant I was winning the game. And the computer beat me by two gold. I loudly exclaimed, damn you, or something like that. The guy beside me thought I was talking to him. I had to apologize. It was a bit awkward for the rest of the journey because we still had an hour on the train together. So, yeah, but that's how much I got into an Android version of this. Imagine what the board game is like. It's a very good choice, Brandon. Thanks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. Yeah, bless him. He was only little. Anyway, so my number 36. We're treading the same ground again, Ronan. You mentioned it last. It's Laws of Waterdeep. Peter Lee, Rodney Thompson, and coming from Wizards of the Coast. It's D&D, does worker placement, and does it blooming well. It's a D&D game. You do get that, that sense of it being a D&D game, but it's a very good worker placement. It's exactly what you'd want it to be. It has interaction, it has theme, it has hidden depth, and great artwork. It's, it's, it was always going to be in my top 50. It was just a case of where it comes in. And it's my number 36, Lord of Watersleep. Yeah, another fantastic choice. The D&D Game Studio kind of, to me, whenever I see one of the games, I know it's going to be really thoroughly, thoroughly play-tested. Probably not massively innovative or unique, but to do what it does really well. And Lords of Watersleep is the paragon of what they do as a design studio in that what it does, it does fantastically well. Does it feel massively like D&D? Not really, but I still quite like the theme. And in fact, the quests, when you look at what you have to put into them and what you get out, I really like. Like I said last time, the fact that players shape the board for me is what really ties it together, makes it a fantastic game. And that's a really good choice, Sean. Yeah, and don't forget to play with your D&D or at least call your Orange Cubes Warriors. I have now have D&D by the way. <laughs> Do you now? Yeah, are you proud of me? <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very proud of you. A long time. I've got them. <laughs> now I need to play it again. Okay. My number 35. I, I, Sean is going to be talking about this as well, I'm pretty sure, because I know we both love it. And it is 2012 from Ted Ausback. It is Suburbia, the toll lane game in which you are putting together your own particular suburb off a shared city. Not that shared, but some of the tiles do interact with everyone else's suburbs. You're trying to manage two different resources in population and income. And the more population you get, the lower your income is because you keep losing it. You're getting overheads to your city. So you have to balance the two off because your population actually is your end game points. It's got nice pacing into that the buildings come out in one, two, and three ages. It's got a row in which the different hexes you can put in your city are moving along and some of them become cheaper and you've got a decision, especially in lower player counts. I think it is better with two or three than four for me. Uh, do I grab it now or do I risk it going down those two or three spaces or someone else grab it? Are you going to keep the money on hand? Are you able to keep the money on hand or to grab that vital tile as soon as it comes out in the $12 spot? Trying to build synergies for yourself, trying to balance off and you end up actually looking at it going, oh yeah, this is the residential area. This is the commercial area. Oh yeah, I've put all the industrial 
industrial ones over there. And the theme, again, ties that all together. But more importantly, the mechanics are really, really solid. So my number 35 is Suburbia. I'm not going to talk about it too much because it may appear late from my list. <laughs> just may. Uh, just may. <laughs> it possibly is somewhere. Giving it away even more, my, my one thing I want to say to you, Ronan, why the hell is this so low? <laughs> Fabulous game. Why is it so low? Um, but I'd say it hasn't got the magic. Like, if you if you get in my top twenty, I have to have had some like incredible, magical, amazing games of you. And Suburbia, there's no magic there. It's just a really good puzzle. It's a really good. I have to balance these things. I have to be aware of what I'm doing. I have to spatially create opportunities for tiles to go in and maximize themselves yeah yeah, i'm thinking a lot i'm ticking things over i have a strategic overview i'm doing all the good things we'll do in the game but it's never going to be like wildly unexpected or what other players do is never going to create a moment in the game where i go oh my god you built an airport oh game changer that's not going to happen so is that that's the only why that's why that's all i'm shaking my head oh fair enough not good enough. Not good enough. Okay. It's a game that, I'm, I again, we're singing from the same hymn sheet. I would lay a bet on. It is my number 35, and it's Xenoshift from Karen Philosophies and Michael Schinnell from Cool Mini or Not. Yeah, oh, sorry, this game's dead to me. <laughs> Rona's been having a few problems with Cool Mini or Not late. So his review of this may be somewhat tainted. Right. I've had my problems with them before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna rise above it, Ronan. You're not, are you? You're wallowing in the mud and the blood <laughs> egging me on. Oh anyway. Anyway Xeno Shift as a game. As a game, just let's forget like, let's forget who's made it. You're defending your base against a horde of insect-like aliens. It's a tower defense game, basically. And it's not only just a tower defense where you're on your own. You're also getting help from the other players in your endeavors to defend your part of the base. That's what you're doing. You're lining up a, a row of cards of your defenders. You're attaching weapons to them. And it's it's a deck builder. So you're build, building up this deck of defenders. An opposite row of aliens are going to attack. And it's up to you to try and fight them off and eventually defend your base. The theming we talked about in our review is slightly suspect in that you are basically raping a planet for its for its resources. Uh, you're a corporation and you're just raping a planet. So probably the insects have every reason to attack you. Fair play. Why do I like it? It is a tower defense meeting deck building, and I think both of them have really done well. I like tower defense games, but I'm not the fan that Ronan is, say. But I do like them, but I love a deck building game. And I think this does well. The cooperation makes the game for me. You have to be aware of what everyone else is doing. You have to be looking for that moment when you step in and go, I can help here. The theater of turning over the cards is just it's nail-biting. If you get some of those horrible aliens that bomb the last one, etc., not good. Throw them out of the game. Yeah, we know. We know you don't like them. Possibly another I hate the ones that moment. jump to the back of your queue of troops and take it over and take, start attacking yeah, take over one, Yeah, yeah, they take over uh, one of your troops. No! <laughs> <laughs> it looks and feels really thematic. Lovely design quality. Although there are problems with the actual components, possibly. I'm going to leave Ronan to talk about that. 
I get to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, you get to be the bad guy. This is what there is your gripe. This is your main gripe. It doesn't bother me nearly as much as it bothers you. And I kind of like that we're not actually the heroes. It's something different. So the fact that we are kind of this nasty conglomerate attacking this planet, yeah, you know what, go with it. And that's my number 35, Xeno Shift. So I I got down to 70 games before I finalised my top 50, and this did end up as number 51. So <laughs> uh, everything you say, I agree with. Uh, the components, yeah, the alleys, they're stupid. You're going to splay cards two or three cards on most of your troops and the alleys are only wide enough for one card so it gets all very messy the counters are terrible there's not enough counters in the game even to keep track of the health of everything that's fighting so just stupid component issues call me or not just treating your customers like absolute dirt is really what's put me off it I kickstarted the expansion they had my name my address all my details and they've sent my game to America now I have to pay $65 to get my game back um, I live in Europe. Why have you sent it to America? Uh-uh. Not $65, you can't have it. They did exactly the same to me <sighs> with Blood Rage. Literally exactly the same. Now, either we're both incredibly stupid, which is possible, or they just, they're just they not giving the information that they should be giving or the levels of information. And then, then their customer service beyond that is appalling. I've tried to get in contact with them through five different channels. And and just one wrote email back all the time. Pay sixty five dollars. Pay sixty five dollars. Pay sixty five dollars. I mean, what can you do? I think customers are going to wise up. I know they've lost some customers from kickstarting their products now, and I just imagine that's going to spread because you can't treat people like that. But there you go. I'm really, really disappointed in them because I really like Xeno Shift. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. It was in our interview awards for the, uh, when it came out. I was so looking forward to getting this, and now. Even if I do pay the $65, so either I pay $65 or I lose my $100 and get nothing because they won't refund all your money. If for a game you're not getting, they'll only refund a small part of it. So I pay $80 for nothing or $165. (sighs) We start going on about it. Xeno Shift itself is a fine game. Moving on to happier times. Let's do that. This is like my 2009 episode, which I hadn't noticed before, but this one's from 2009. Two to five players, not two players, <laughs> not three players either. It's Cyclades. It is the dudes on the map set in ancient Greece, whereby you are taking part in auctions to get the favours of a particular god, and that god will tell you what actions you can take in this round. You are fighting in an archipelago of various islands. You're attempting to build two metropoli you're going to do that by building four different types of buildings or by collecting some philosophers which are things in the game but mostly you're going to be building troops and building boats and using the troops to attack each other's islands because who builds a metropolis doesn't mean they're going to keep that metropolis and there are special creatures you can invoke to use during the game one of which is probably slightly imbalanced there are expansions out which I think greatly improved the game and what have pushed it up to be my number 34, specifically for the base game, Hades, really opens it up because the game itself could get a tiny bit moribund because there's only two gods that let you move anything around. One will only let you move boats. If you want to invade an island, you have to win Ares and you have to time that really well. You have to know the game quite well and only one person can ever attack at a time. It can be quite hard to attack and all blah, 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 blah. Hades opens that all up and I think measurably improves it. 
Titans changes it completely, changes the map, makes it into a different sort of a game, but still very much enjoyable. So I think it's just a game that's gone from strength to strength over the past eight years. To me, Cyclades, because it has given me those memorable gaming moments we're talking about with Suburbia, not every game is as solid as every game of Suburbia. And I certainly have had games where myself or other players have not enjoyed their games. They've gone, oh, I keep getting stitched up, or I'm always one short. It hasn't quite worked out for me, and I've spent two hours not having that much fun. But on the other hand, it's probably given me higher highs than Suburbia because there's been that game where all four of us are vying for it. And right at the end, it's a clever piece of play that's actually nabbed the victory. So, yeah, Cyclades is really strong for me. Sean? Yeah, it's a really strong choice, Ronan. Uh, if I'd probably have played a little bit more of this, it probably would have made my top 50. I don't think I've played with the Hades expansion, which if you say it improves the game... Happy days. I will make make sure I do that. But yeah, really good game. I love those auctions. It's a nice mechanic anyway, but it keeps you on your toes because you're not sure exactly what you're going to be doing from round to round. So it has those that, that bit of excitement level and you're kind of thinking, all right, if I can get that god to, to support me this round, then I can do this. But if I don't, what's my second, what's my third choice? And you're, you're kind of planning there. So yeah, it keeps you on your toes. The game on the map is just fun. And lots of little extras knocking in there with the creatures that you can get to help you as well. Very strong choice and uh, fond memories of playing Cyclades. Yeah, my slight concerns with the Pegasus. I think anyone who's familiar with the game will know that a lot of games end with Pegasus as a monster that allows you to pick up all the troops from one island and drop them on any other island. And they can be sort of the the nuclear bomb of boom. I've just, even though you were defending navally and stuff, I've just taken the island metropolis on and I suddenly win. There are ways also of farming through the discard pile in order to get Pegasus back out or flipping cards quickly to get him out. So there's different ways of getting Pegasus into the game and it can really feel slightly anticlimactic so I'd be very tempted to just remove that from the game tell people to say there's no Pegasus there's no Pegasus farming get rid of it however play with all the other bits of the game and you're going to have lots and lots of fun and you know that that's only a thing that's come up because it's been out for eight years and we've played it loads and loads of times so we kind of know the deck so well but to me it's also positive that we have played it that many times because that means the game was strong enough for that so my number 34 Psychedies Okay, my number 34 is Kingsburg from Andrea Carvezio and Luco Lanaco from Fantasy Flight Games and Stratolibri. It's a game where your dice are workers. You're rolling the dice and there's 18 members of the King's Court that you can influence and they're going to allow you to do something, either gain a resource, uh, help you fight your battles at the end of each season, and you're gaining resources to build buildings and you're moving along channels of buildings to score your points at the end of the game and defend yourself against the oncoming hordes, what have you. It is a very light game. It's very light, very easy to get into. It's a really nice gateway game for, for anybody joining the hobby. That's the one thing I really like about it. It was probably one of my gateway games, which is maybe why I've got a lot of affection for it. Lots of dice rolling fun with some actual decisions in there, which is unusual with a pure dice rolling game. I think it is always lots of fun when I play it. And I would suggest that you always play with the expansion, which changes the game up, fixes a few of the problems in the first one. And yeah, I, I can't really go into too much depth about it, Ron, because it is a very light game, but it's, it's a game that I enjoyed as a gateway game and I'm still enjoying today. 
Now, I don't want to preempt you, but I think you're, you're, it may be on the wane for you. Yeah, and, and you remember back to when we were first getting into games like that, or teaching new players games. Ooh. It's one of those games that can kind of unlock the aspect of your mind that hasn't been tickled by board games before when you're new to games and you go, hold on, I place this here, which gives me this, which I can turn into that, which gives me a special thing. Ah! And it really works fantastically well as that. We absolutely hammered it back in the day. I mean, hammered it. Dozens of games I've got of this. I must have taught it probably a couple of dozen times because I'd be teaching it at board game clubs and to new players and with all our friends who are getting into games and all that sort of thing. And so even with the expansion, to me, there's really only ever one or two viable routes to victory. And I ended up, I, I don't want to sound bigger than anything, but I ended up pl- playing deliberately not to win because I knew how to win the game unless I roll terribly, which can happen in dice games. You know, it's not the end of the world. So it's not, it's, game doesn't last forever. So uh, I, I have got affection for the game, but I don't ever really need to play it again, or at least not for the next 10 years. So it's not going to be in my favorite list, but when I think back on all the good times I've had with it, I can always say, yeah, Kingsburg, it, it was an important part of my gaming journey. Yeah, I think maybe we're looking at the our lists slightly differently, which is fine because we are, we're building our own top list. And I think possibly that's one of the reasons it is there, because it was an important part of my journey too. And I do look back on it as developing certain parts of my gaming style as it is now. And yeah, maybe that's part of it. But I still do enjoy games of it when I do bring it out with newbies and even occasionally. I'm going to put it to you that you haven't taught it 20 plus times. I haven't. No, no. Maybe, well, maybe when I get to that point, of, I will go, Ronan, yeah, you're bang on the money. I'm not at that point yet, so for me, it's still there. <laughs> maybe when I've when I've reached my 10,000 plays or something, oh, I'll probably go, nah, Kingsbury, nowhere near. It's not the game's fault that I've played it to death. But yeah, I reckon there are other games I could play that many times which would still be going strong. And there's probably games in, which are in this list that I haven't played that many times, which if I had, they would drop away again. So it's always, these lists are always going to sort of be an ebb and flow. And Kingsbury just happens to be one of those ones which has gone past its peak for me. But but again, as you say, we're kind of, we're crafting them differently in this list, but, but it's all cool. It's all cool, man. Oh, well, that was my number 34. On to your number 33, Ronan. This is definitely my, my 10, which Sean is going to agree with until the next two. My number 33 is Eclipse from Toko Taco Calio. I made that sound good. 2011 game, two to six players, not two players, for probably, oh, set aside four to six hours of your life. Six hours if you're new to the game and you're playing with a higher play count. It's the sci-fi epic which has got the very clever cube system, which is a little bit like the one inside in which when you explore hexes and flip them over and discover planets, you take cubes out of your own personal tableau and that shows how much you're now producing or actually how much you have to pay for things and they go onto the board. So that's how you keep track of sort of a dual aspect system. You've got three different sets of ships in the initial game anyway, which you can build up and there's different technologies which you have to pay for to discover and people's ships ended up being individual and you can set yourself up as very attacking or very defensive. It's got a hugely important spatial aspect. You can't 
open up too many fronts against people. There's space battles in there. There's the big build-up to try and attack the ancients in the middle of the map. There's a definite narrative-pushing arc to the whole thing because you're all going to be done in nine turns. So Eclipse, to me, is one of those epic games which always delivers. And I always feel like it's epic Apart from the odd, really unlucky time we're surrounded by duff tiles, I always feel like my agency is important in the game. And while it feels thematic, I am not being driven by the theme. We as players are driving the story of what's happening. It's got shifting alliances and what have you. If someone starts doing too well, you've all got to sort of start helping each other out. But always be aware that these are temporary alliances. And if one player's not pulling their weight and expanding too much, you're going to have to beat them down somehow so it's got it all going on and really feels a, a, the epic gaming slot for me and that's eclipse i ain't even gonna play this one's definitely high on my list <laughs> this is top 10 and like, sure what, is. seriously like it's, it's got everything it's literally got everything Mate, i'm not gonna go into too much but it's a space opera with that dry euro running through it it is perfect why is this why is this number 33 you're dead to me yeah, do you know what? I had to think about it, why it was 33, because this was a top 10 game for me a while ago, and I looked through, I haven't played it in two and a half years, which is probably why I slipped down, and the reason I think I haven't played it is because that whole app came out, and the app AI always followed one particular route, so you may sort of load it up missiles on your on your light ships and then they became glass cannons and they could blow everything up and stuff like that so anyone that you wanted to play with who knew the game knew this strategy and then everyone started doing the same thing and if you weren't doing that you were getting blown out of the water so it kind of the app the game not being perfectly balanced and the ai in the app kind of ruined the tabletop game now i know the expansions have come out and there's is there two or three of them now i don't know exactly but they fixed those issues in that now you can play it but then you have to play with all of the expansions in and i don't have the expansions i don't know the rules to all the expansions and then it's forcing me to learn all these expansions to get up to speed with people who have played hundreds of times on the app and so it's kind of imbalanced the gaming groups that i would ever play this with and that's why because i'm not getting the personal plays of it in it's not, the game is great and if you'd never play the app i never hear about the stupid strategy the game is still a fantastic board game but my plays of it have been changed so much that's why i had heard about the app but i've never played it and i don't want to play it because of those reasons i think sometimes in in, in this gaming world that we're in this hobby i think people do try and like deliberately to go out and try and break games and I'm, I'm of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, i'm just not into that why would you try and break something that you you really enjoy like, if you stumble upon it, and then you think, oh, I can't really unthink that, then fair enough. But if you're going out and you're just thinking, right, what is the optimum way to play this game, and I'm just going to hammer it until I get that? Yeah, I mean, this was slightly different because it was the AI that did it. So basically, if you played the app, the AI would do this tactic against you, and you go, oh, crap, well, that works really well. And then so then you'd have to start doing it back. And so everyone became these clones of each other when you were playing. So you'd almost have to have people kind of agree, we're not going to do that. And it just made it all a bit weird and false and, yeah. Look, mate, uh, mostly I guess it's because I haven't played it recently. And there's that big hurdle of learning all the expansions to get back into it. Which if I do do, it sounds weird because I haven't done it. I'm sure it'll be amazing. 
So why don't I just go and do it? Why don't I just go and do it, Sean? Why don't you, Ronan? I think you should. I think you're doing a disservice to this fabulous game by not doing it. You might be right. I'm going to go away and think about all the things I've done wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sit in a dark room and recant. Recant. I will do. Right. You recant your number 33. Right. My number 33 is Fresco from Wolfgang Panning, Marco Rukowski, and Marcel Subacek, maybe? Subelbeck? Yeah, Uh, yeah, whatever. From probably another games company that's probably upset Ronan along the way, Queen Games. No, not me. Not me. I'm perfectly happy with Queen Games. Um, The rest of the English-speaking games in the world, not so much. (laughs) I'd love to see what, what all they kickstart, the percentage of people in England that actually kickstart oh, them. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, it's all about uh, getting your master painters to uh, restore a fresco in a Renaissance church. It's another worker placement game, Ronan. I'm, I'm, I'm stacking up these worker placements. Deck building, worker placement, deck building, yeah. worker placement, worker building, deck placement. <laughs> deck placement. <laughs> It's all about the deck placement. It's all about this. where you put that deck. It's, it's all important. Uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of building up my worker placement games here. So why do I like Fresco? Well, from start to finish, you're making small but meaningful choices that are going to tailor your own game. You start with a turn order selection, and I think that is really clever. It depends on what time you wake up in the morning, how early you get to the market to get the, the better goods, or do you get it later, then you're, you're more refreshed and you can do more. Yeah, I think really thematic, uh, but little choices. You've got the simultaneous action selection and reveal. I think that's really well done. The revelation of the art because you're actually you're turning over tiles and you're actually making this uh, fresco so you've got a, a physical representation of what you're trying to achieve it's a straight up economic game i'm always going to love those really i really am so you put worker placement and a straight up economic game happy days for me this is a funny one because normally i'm right alongside everyone who hates the queenies because they are, they're overpriced. They quite often don't really do a lot to the game. But I think with Fresco, I think they do work. And if you get the Fresco big box, which is, is the quick and easy way to get all the queenies in the game without having to go and spend a small fortune on them individually, I think you can tailor your own experience. You can make it more deep. Your, your smugness on getting them all in the big box, <laughs> you Johnny come lately, is not appreciated over here, by the way. So you, can, you, can have, you can have a deeper experience. You can have a lighter experience. You can change up the game. You can add new things in. You can take them back out again. I think in this game, the Queenies work spot on for me. And Fresco, it's just a game I continually enjoy. And I think it's still got some legs for me to go. I really like Fresco. I think I was uh, one of those early adopters that spread the word of it quite a lot. I played it so much when it first came out because it just works. It really, it's, it, it kind of, it was almost a Kingsburg of its time, if you like, for me. So I could teach it to almost anyone. So am I like four years behind you and everything? <laughs> no, I, I taught, we played Kingsburg together when it came out. We played Fresco together when it came out. That's why you wanted the big box. But it's just, you know, I'd be, I'd be down at London board or whatever and teaching it a lot and, and different people. And yeah. And, was grabbing the Queenies as they came out, despite the fact they're ridiculously overpriced, and they do change up the game. It's hard to find a game group that wants to play it with all the Queenies added in because there's not a lot of hardcore fresco players out there. 
that's a, that's a subset of gaming within a subset of gaming. But well, when you can, and you can throw them in, you can put in like the stained glass and the gilding and all that other stuff. It's, it really does make it interesting. But the core game itself is strong enough to stand up and I think should really be recognised as a fantastic gateway game. And I think it gets overlooked a little bit too much. I think this deserves more recognition for how good it is, Sean. Yeah, I just I just really like that. It all makes thematic sense. You, as I said, you have got that visual representation of the fresco slowly being created. There's a spatial awareness with the way the bishop moves around in the middle, and you have to, have to be like in certain areas. You have to the, the mixing of the paint. You've got your know, little puzzle to to work out. And as I said, the, even just the waking up or what time you're going to start your work or work it. Is is all thematic and and tactical. So uh, yeah, just a game that I really do enjoy playing it. And every time I do play it, which probably isn't as much as as it once was, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. That's my number thirty three. So when uh, last two, Ronan, onto your number thirty two, old boy. My number thirty two, Sean. I hope you're wearing something black and it's time to hang your head in shame because I know you still haven't played one of the greatest three player and two player games ever to have been released Theseus the Dark Orbit this is true this is true I have yet to play it you've you've embarrassed yourself me the family the podcast at least I haven't got the excuse that I'm I'm related to probably it's one of its biggest exponents in in the gaming community it's not like we ever play games together is it (laughs) not like I've ever suggested it Twenty thirteen from Michael Orach. Pretendy two to four players. It's not, it's two to three players really. Don't listen to that rubbish. It's a sci-fi Mancala-ish game with lots of theme where you're moving one of three tokens around a board. You have to move the number of spaces as per the number of dobbers in the area you're coming from. But you don't drop them off along the way like Mancala. It's not quite like that. But it's it's similar. It's similar. And depending upon which faction you are your powers are going to be massively different your way of scoring points is going to be different the way you try and manipulate the board to work to your advantage is going to be different are you going to be laying traps down as the robots are you going to be trying to kick people out like the hunters are you going to be crawling through the vents as the aliens are you going to be setting up data collection as the scientists are you going to be trying to probe people as the greys depends who you are sean and every game is different. And every game is a fantastic tactical puzzle. And not only are you trying to make something positive for yourself happen, you are most importantly trying not to give an opening to an opponent on every move you make in Theseus. And it is thinky and it is thematic and it is funny and it's fighty and it is everything good in games and this is only number 845 of board game geek it should be number eight well no it shouldn't it should be number 32 because that's where i pull it brilliant game theseus the dark orbit while you were talking about that right now i was kind of thinking about what put me off it initially because we it was part of our Essen previews for Essen 2013. Now, I remember reading it. I think I was kind of misled a little bit by the, the pre-sort of blurb about it. I thought it was going to be like a, almost like a space dungeon crawly es- escapade sort of thing. Oh, it kind of is. In the mind. It's more of a puzzle of a game, isn't it? It's more of a sort of moving around the circle, moving around in the into the right area, setting off the right things. And is, is that not more about, it's more of a puzzle than it is like a, a thematic game? Oh, it, it's just a fantastic mixture of both. Which would you rather it would be? It's that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's everything to every man. 
<laughs> it's a good balanced reviewing. <laughs> it's a legacy game. Um, if you want it to be. <laughs> that's what put me off. I think I came in thinking... It, it kind of missold. It had that video, didn't it? About yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, no, coming soon. Theseus, dum, dum, dum. Oh, it's a big release battle. portal. Yeah. I hope it's a big story game or something, and it's not that. No. I think that's why I kind of... I went in thinking it was going to be that... And it wasn't, and I was kind of a little bit disappointed because I do like the thematic story games, and it's kind of put me off. But I, one of these days, you'll twist my arm just far enough, and I'll play it. You're a shocker. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> embarrassed for you. <laughs> Move on. Theseus 32, great game. Right, okay. My number 32 is a game. I'm not bored with the game. Let's get that right. I'm bored You're about... You're bored with life. I'm bored with life. I'm bored about talking about it on this podcast. We seem to... <laughs> It seems to pop up every other week. It's Castle Ravenloft. Uh, or that, the adventure games or something or other. Dungeons and Dragons adventure game system. If that doesn't trip off the tongue, honestly. <laughs> From Wizards of the Coast, designed by a whole heap of people. Rob Hinsu, Peter Lee, Mike Mills, and Bill Slavichek. Okay, so it is essentially the closest thing that I've yet come to. I've just got Gloomhaven, by the way, so that may be the new one. But why you until... got to be gloating? <laughs> My box is horribly disfigured. Does that make you feel a little bit better? Yeah, I hope it's terrible. Literally, the, the, <laughs> I, I took the lid off and the box nearly fell flat. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was ripped down all the sides. Oh. Yeah. No, it doesn't make me feel better. I feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was like one of those comedy cars you see in the old black and white film. Clown car. Oh. Anyway. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Okay, until I get into Gloomhaven, this is at the moment the closest thing to a role-playing game on the market, as far as I can tell. I haven't played Mage Knight yet, so maybe that's possibly do you have a spare four months to learn it well this is the problem that's why i haven't played i know i just got star trek frontiers and i'm like oh i can't (laughs) i'm scared i've had major night since like two months after it do you have it yeah oh my god i didn't even know i've I've taken out the rule book about six times and i've put back (laughs) the rule book six times after about 20 minutes that is six good sleeps you've had (laughs) so yeah, as I said, close thing to role playing. I think it's a clever game. Clever I don't think combat. anyone knows what game we're talking about now. We've got Mage Knight. We're still on Castle Ravenloft. Are we? I've heard that Wrath of a Shardlon is possibly the best out of the three. We're not we are not counting the fourth one. I can't That's, remember. The what fourth one? Well there isn't a fourth one. I don't know what you're talking Temple about. Temple of what? <laughs> Elemental. Temple crap. of traps everywhere. <laughs> the Temple of Traps. Oh god. So yeah, the the three the three before that, I believe Wrath of Shardland is the best, but I've actually enjoyed uh, Castle Ravenloft itself the most. It's a clever combat, clever play, and just dungeon crawling, it's just me through and through and yeah, I'm very happy with my number thirty two. Yeah, I mean sort of the pure combat was never my favourite part of role playing games anyway. Not that I'm massively experienced role player, but I've played it. A little bit, and I was much more interested in what you were talking about earlier—the deduction or the the story or working stuff out and trying to get to the bottom of whatever mystery or situation it was, rather than just hacking and slashing. So I'm not sure there's a single actual dungeon crawl, dungeon crawl style game in my entire list, despite the fact we do play a lot of them. Because 
I, I think I'm constantly on that seeking mode for one that I really love. For this style of game, probably put Descent, the cooperative one, ahead of this. And even, I mean, we've talked about it. We, we, we've had our things. I'm not going to go into it where we compared and contrasted a bunch of them. So go back and listen to that episode because it's a really good episode that no one ever listens to. <laughs> And the D&D one we did like, years ago was really good as well. Go back to listen to that one. No one ever listened to that either. So, yeah, we've had fun with it. Always just left slightly disappointed, slightly short of greatness for me whenever I play any of these starter games to date. You're slightly short of greatness. I'm not. I'm a long way. Yeah, short. that's a fair round. Especially. No, okay. <laughs> right, round up your games for today, Raiden. What's Comes number 31? six-foot-tall runt of the family, that does. <laughs> You're, right. you're those giants in the what's the attack of the giants or the hill giants the hill giants the littlest ones <laughs> that's trying to eat <laughs> eat their way to victory <laughs> i never been tall as you but I'm way more than you that'll happen you're the you're very impolite do you know that you're sorry. a bad person sorry right my number 31 is legendary a marvel deck building game i have harped on about this ad nauseum so let's just Bang this drum one more time. One to five players. Devin Lowe from 2012. It's the now incredibly varied game in which there's a mastermind who has a scheme that they're attempting to complete to defeat the players who are going to be represented by five different types of heroes shuffled up in a deck you're going to purchase these hero cards to put into your own deck to play to come up with two different resources there are buys which you can buy better cards and build your deck with or there are we shall call them schlaps as everyone around us does which you can use to defeat the villain cards which are coming out and marching along Villain cards escape the city, bad things happen, there are schemes and there are master strokes which, which happen, which mix it up and every game is different, especially when you have as many cards as I do. I have all of the hero cards. I don't have any of the villain cards because I'm not that fussed by being a villain playing this style of a game. But to me, because the game is so varied, it's a challenge every single time. I've got the smart app. It's just called Legendary Randomizer. It's not branded by uh, Upper Deck or anything like that. But what it does is when you first set up Legendary, you can have some bum setups or you can be in a case where the heroes don't work with what you're trying to do. So you're almost can never get to where you want to go or the master one's going to constantly slap you. There's nothing you can do about it or you don't work against the villains or whatever it may be. But the smart randomizer really fixes that it's free you just put it in and it will always give you a set of things that work together and in fact the stories that the mixtures of cards mixed together is probably what brings me back because i can see what's happening every scheme mixes up the rules somehow and when i'm playing i feel like i can see how these simple rules have been just tweaked enough to go ah that's clever oh look we're being attacked by a whole bunch of maria hills and and they're getting gradually stronger and stronger and stronger or oh god galactus is the mastermind he's going to be almost impossible to defeat and he is or it's a tricksy mastermind that gets stronger or weaker depending upon so you're trying to do something with villain cards to make the masterminds weaker so that you can attack them Uh, i just all work me all creates a story like sean i'm a fan of deck building and legendary and marvel deck building game really works for me right this is one that i own i enjoy i'll never get rid of but i rarely play because of the setup time it just takes an absolute age to set up and yeah 
It really does. You got to pull out all the different cards. You got then you got to shuffle them all together, and you got to shuffle these ones together and pull out this this one, pull out that one, and then you got to do unpick them and to put them away. And it's a pain in the bum. It's a pain in the bum to set up and take down. You just got to play fifty or so games of it and get really used to it. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll do that. That's all you have to do. It's another slight gripe before I go on to waxing lyrical about it. Iconography is really small. Really small, so if, you, if you've got any problems with your eyesight at all, it's, it's really hard to pick out the, the things that you're chaining off. And something I think that they've addressed now is that the, it was the same artwork for every card. So yeah, 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 only in the first release they did learn about that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so small gripes, it is a very strong game. It is a deck builder, so I'm, I'm on board. I really do enjoy the game, and yeah, it's it's a good choice, Ronan. And they've got all sorts of powers now in the cards, and you've got heroes, which actually are two heroes in one set of 14 cards that combine together. You've got hero cards that are two heroes on one card, and you actually choose which side to use as you're using it, so you become more flexible. The colours of the hero cards come into it, so you'll get... Like Captain America wants to lead lots of different colored cards, so his powers become more powerful. You've got woman out of time powers where you can put cards to one side, you can teleport cards, you can phase cards. Uh, in one of the original ones, you can bribe. In one of the original dimensions, you can bribe baddies, you can pay buys to defeat baddies, like if they're in the mafia rather than just beat them up. There's so many different things and so many clever ways and they always come up with little tweaks in every expansion. I mean, the difficulty of that is you need to keep on top of it whenever you're playing and you have to have all the rule sheets out going, what does that one do, what does that one do, what does that one do until you really get to know them. But the great thing is then that every area of the game is different. Like the bystanders, you've got varied bystanders. So some of them will actually, you'll try and save them and they'll go back and become a copycat villain. Or some of them will come and, and there'll be a reporter and they'll help you out, or a crocodile hunter, and they give you something extra for going in the sewers this turn. The psychic, so you don't waste buys, you can buy a psychic, goes in your deck, and next time it comes around again, you play it, and you get to draw two cards, and the psychic's out of your deck. So you're not wasting those two buys that would happen a lot originally. So they've dealt with a lot of frustrations. There's varied wounds in the game now. Oh, mate, there's, there's just so much. They've just built on the past five years so much and so much on top of that system but all kept the simple rule set no extra boards no lots of fuss just tweaking what they've got going on i think they've become absolute experts at designing this game so that's why it's my number 31 just just a little story ronan just just for your amusement so uh, i've recently moved house around about christmas time and the other day, I thought I'd go out and sort out a few of my games, just make sure that they, they made the move okay. So, obviously, things like Dominion and stuff like that, where you've got lots of cards separated, I thought, right, they're, they're the prime target. Got to make sure they're okay. So, I pulled open Legendary. Now, I've got Legendary. I've got at least three of the expansions, Dark City, Paint the Town Red, and one other. So, I've got a lot of cards, a lot of cards in, in that base box. Pulled it open, really shocked. Yeah, everything's survived perfectly, all in their place. What did I do? I dropped them. <laughs> Literally, and trying to catch the box, I Flipped caught it, it upside down. <laughs> So they literally all just <laughs> fell in a pile on the floor. You've never seen a grown man cry that much. <laughs> Mopping him up with the little foam blocks you get. <laughs> oh. Oh. They're still not You're back never together. Play that game. I've, I've handed them to the missus. She likes sorting things out. Even she was a bit taken aback. Yeah, sort that out. <sighs> You're never going to play that game. It's never going to get sorted again, is it? Never. Never. 
Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Well, that me up. What's your number 31? My number 31, Ronan, I think it's probably going to be our, our one real argument in this episode. I think it's a game that you don't really enjoy. It's Belfort, or Belfort, from J. Cormier and Sen Fung Lim from Tasty Minstrel Games. You are using elves, dwarves, and gnomes to build up a city in this worker placement game and also area control and that's one of the reasons i love it it's worker placement again ronan and this one with the combination of area control i think it does it really well i think it's really really tactical decisions being made throughout i love the artwork it's it's really quirky and comical and i just i just like the style i think the options you've got options in there to upgrade your worker and customize your own actions which make the game stand out from other worker placement games and lift it that sort of level above for me the tongue-in-cheek feel to the game with probably the artwork etc i think it kind of pastes over very very shallowly the the game does have a bit of nastiness in it it definitely you can definitely stitch each other up you can definitely go into areas and try to take over areas that other people are sort of concentrating on and i think uh, the timing in this game is one of those games where your timing your your turn order etc is so vital and for me it's one of my standout worker placement games and that is belfort Ah, this has got to be your weakest choice in this episode. <laughs> I, know you, I know you're not a fan. I know you're not a fan. It's not that. It's, it's just pretty good. There's nothing it does wrong. There's nothing it does great. The area control is probably the best part of it, but the scoring tends to all be quite tight. I don't like the alleged funny presentation if your game's good you haven't got to go for like stupid little cartoony graphics that you know people i don't punching a dwarf or something in the background you just uh, why not? it just annoys why, me it's, it's, why not why not have something uh, that's because it just doesn't it doesn't really fit the game I, you may, the game may, is actually yeah i love those pictures that you have and there's loads of things going on whether i don't know like a medieval castle setting and there's people all out in the courtyard and there's various people doing things and there's like a kid sort of swinging a dog by the tail if you look really closely and well that's just mean <laughs> i know that's the sort of thing one. you want promote if you look the closer you look the more you can see happening i love that kind of artwork style where it's almost like hidden things and you're discovering new stuff but that's not why i love the game i just think it adds to the game it adds to it and why not because it doesn't suit the game because the game's actually quite mean and it's quite tight and it's quite brutal and it's quite attacky and you know this kind of jokey the whole cartoony approach i don't know it just kind of rubs me up slightly the wrong way but I, i just don't think the game does anything different enough I think the castle building sort of it, it's fantasy, but it doesn't use fantasy in, in an interesting way. So we talk about small world being fantasy, and all the races are different, and their powers feel thematic, and you kind of go, "Oh yeah, I want to be like the, the Tritons, or I want to be the giants, or I want to be the trolls," because they can make sense what they're doing. Whereas in this, it doesn't make sense. You're just building a castle. You could be from Genoa and Florence and Milan, you know. You could be in the Bavarian state. It's got the League of Six of fantasy themes. Wait, wait. Why? Don't you start a League of Six. <laughs> I hope that's not coming. I up nearly threw that in my top 50 just to annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> generic play with a generic theme. I don't feel any inspiration here. I don't feel anything different. Now, will I play it? Yeah. 
I will play it. There's nothing wrong with it. And in fact, after I play it, I'll say, yeah, that was a good time. We had a good game of Belfort. But top 50 material, this is the weakest one for me today, mate. Uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're just a wrong one in general. But anyway, <laughs> horses for courses and each to their own, etc. Any other platitudes you want to throw in there. But uh, yes, uh, it's a game I thoroughly enjoy. And that was my number 31. So that brings this episode or these games from this episode to a close. We'll see you after the interlude. There you have it. Uh, we are down to number 31 in our countdown and uh, fairly amicable until so right at the end there, Ronan. We did okay. We did okay. There was some, uh, uh, if we're both saying these games are good, whether they're in our top 50s or not, that probably means that they're really good games. So hopefully we've given you some food for thought, maybe some games you've forgotten about or games you've never tried that you think, oh yeah, maybe I will get to the table. Or maybe you're just thinking we're two complete idiots. Who knows? That's the more likely of the two scenarios. Uh, there, it probably is and the more deserved, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt. Now, we keep talking about the, the episodes we've got coming up, Sean, and then life intervenes. But I'm pretty certain we've got six reviews coming in the next episode, given that we're recording it tomorrow. Yeah, you'd hope so. But as you said, <laughs> life has kind of got in the way. With It's been hectic. Both, both of, of us, us have moved. <laughs> yeah, both of us have moved house in the last yeah. two, two to three months. Yeah, I'm currently in Ireland recording. Yeah. We've gone trans-oceanal, trans-seasal. <laughs> in the near future, you're, you're taking yourself off even further afield, aren't you, Ronan? Ah, I'm off to Australia. For a couple of weeks that'd be nice won't it yeah. uh, I'll probably bring my kit I'm going to see if I can find a game club down there in Sydney and join in if anyone is from Sydney you can always give me a shout I'm there for the middle of March I'm there over Paddy's Day which is going to be uh, interesting yeah. <laughs> we'll record on that day hey <laughs> no, or the day after <laughs> it's England Ireland at rugby on a Saturday let's not do that either no. um, but yeah if you are down in Sydney drop us an email at gapitpodcast at gmail.com and let me know let me know your games club or a game that goes on down there and I will happily come along and join in and, and even try and be sober that day because <laughs> well. it's going to be oh it's going to be a good couple of weeks man catching up with old friends <laughs> and in the interim what we'll probably do if Ronan has any technical difficulties then uh we may get a couple of guest presenters in to come and help me along the way possibly my dear wife natalie so you're replacing me already aren't you <laughs> trying to trying with the to. one person we get asked to have back on <laughs> the show right someone they actually like that's not good that's not good probably not that's no, probably not the best <laughs> right well thank you very much for listening i uh, hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you again next time as always, we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Please go there for gaming goodness galore and a whole host of other great podcasts. If you wish to contact us, as Ronan just mentioned, we are on the Game Pit Podcast at gmail.com. We have a Board Game Geek Guild, one of the best places to contact us and ask us questions and get us started on a whole range of topics. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and, of course, Instagram. If you wish to download the episodes, we're on Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Music by E.
boy. boy.